Welcome to the Kingsway Christian Fellowship Sermon Podcast. We are streaming live from Karam Downs in Melbourne, Australia. Kingsway Christian Fellowship is a non-denominational, Bible-believing, and preaching church. We believe the Bible is the inherent Word of God and preach it verse by verse. You can follow us at www.kingswaycf.com and follow our video sermons. Now, join us as we listen to the latest sermon preached by Pastor John Shipman. Have you seen the Bible like that? Yes. Somebody once said, if your Bible looks like that, your life is healed. Yes? Because you study, your life will be healed. If you open up your Bible and read it every day, because Sunday school's uh, song that we sing, read your Bible, pray every day, and you will grow, grow, grow. Read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you will grow, grow, grow. And you will grow, grow, grow. And you will grow, grow, grow. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you will grow, grow, grow. Sit at home and read the newspaper and you'll... <laughs> Come to the Holy Scriptures this morning and I want to bring you the Word of God as we go through and we study through the book of Acts. Remember, this is the church. This is the birth of the church. This is the expansion of the church. And we're going to see the gospel, that good news. Who knows that the gospel is good news? That good news is going into Samaria. But we're going to learn a few lessons along the way. Lessons which is applicable to your and my life. Never go through this and say, this is not applying to me. This is for my brother. This is for my sister. This is for my son, my daughter, my wife. This is today for you. You're gonna, the, the Holy Spirit is going to talk to you today. God is going to speak to you today. The problem is not with God. The problem is with you. Have you come here this morning to say, Lord, speak to me? And if not, pray quickly there where you sit. Open up my heart, Lord, so that I may behold the wondrous, the wondrous thing of thy law. That's what the psalmist wrote. Open up the eyes of my heart. I want to grow. I don't want to stay the same. And God is here to give you grace, to give you mercy, and to grow your grace, to grow your faith. How is your faith grown? By the preaching of the word and the hearing of the word. So uh, I want to open up where we were ended last week because I feel it's so important to go into what we're going to say today. In Acts chapter 7 verse 58, it says, And they cast him out of the city, this was Stephen, and stoned him. And the witness laid down their clothes at the young man's feet, whose name was Saul. Saul, enter in as a new character now in our story. Enter in comes this man Saul. Nobody knew about him until now. I, I, I know there's a lot of people who in his influence fear knew about him. But now for the first time we see his name. And they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord lay not the sin on their charge. And when he had said this he fell asleep. Angel face. You remember when they said his face was like an angel? And that showed the rest and the peace that he was in. Even to death, even to death, he carried that peace with him. I often look at my life and I often look at people's lives. Christians, people who call themselves Christians, and you just shake their cages or you, or you just do something that irritates them and all of a sudden you see this total different for no more angel face here you see this angry coming at you and you go where did that come from here is stephen at the end of his life as the first stones start to hit his head and the pain starts going through his body and the blood starts dripping over his face still at that point in time he says father don't hold this against him. 
Because you know why? They don't know what they are doing. And so many people, even in the world today, still don't know what they are doing. But I'm thinking about this, and, and there's a question during this week that came up in my mind. And that is that this death doesn't make sense. Have you thought about this? It doesn't make sense. I mean, here is a young man. The Bible says he's full of faith, full of the Spirit. Here is a young man. His, his whole life is sold out to Jesus. His whole life is sold out to God. He's full of faith. He's a successful minister of the Word of God. He's a young man. A young man. He had everything going for him. I listened to his sermon and he had knowledge beyond measure. We sometimes say he's got knowledge beyond his years. Have you used that before? This is this young man. Go and read again his whole sermon. I mean the way that he expounded the scriptures. He was standing in the Sanhedrin. There were 17 people, students, masters, teachers of the word. He stood in the midst there in front of the high priest. And he expounded so much to them that the Bible said that they could not resist his wisdom. One would say this man is on his way. What a wonderful ministry. What a marvelous ministry. What a really pleasant young man to be around with. I reckon if Stephen was here today, everybody would want to speak with Stephen. I mean, obviously, angel face, yes. Such a nice man. And I'm looking forward to the day in heaven to meet Stephen. Because, you know, you can read so much into this young man. He had everything going for him. And in my mind, I would say, wow, this young man is going to reach all the people. He's preaching the gospel, but then he dies. And this is a question that I hear so many times people ask. They say, why? Why did this happen to me? Have you asked that question in your life? Well, if you didn't, I've asked it so many times. I've heard a pastor once preach and he said, never ask God why. Just trust Him. And I believe in that. But I'm also a human who also came to points and I said, Lord, this is not the way that I saw things. Why did this happen right now? Why couldn't it have waited just another two months? Or maybe, why couldn't have this happened a year from now? Why now? Have you asked that question? Come on, be honest. You look at some people's lives. I mean, I look at Stephen's life and I say, why? I wanted to see this man's life play out in front of us. And now it's been cut short. And surely, I mean, I've heard people say when things happen, they, they say, why did God allow this? Why did God allow this? And maybe in your life, maybe there were times in your life when, you know, things happened and you turn to God and you say, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my child? Why is this happening to that person? I mean, I was dealing with... Why is a good question to ask? And I'm sitting and I'm looking at this young man and when I contemplate these scriptures through and when I think about my own life for certain things and, and I've had it all planned out. Honestly, when the Lord saved my soul and when He called me into ministry, man, I had it planned out. Every single thing planned out as a young minister of the Word. But then it didn't happen that way. I thought I was going to be in South Africa, you know, in one of those churches, and then I had to go to New Zealand and preach there, and now in Australia. And, and you know, it's all good now when I look back, but in the middle of it, sometimes you ask, why? You know, that's a good one, but what happened in your life that you are still, you are still sitting here today, and you say, Lord, why did this happen with my relationship? Why did this happen with my brother and my sister? Why did I lose all of this money? Why did I lose all of these things? Why did that person who was such a great influence in my life have to move away? Why did that person maybe have to pass away? That's what I've asked around this question. But then I was reminded out of the scripture. Because when we ask and we don't know, where do we go? We go to the Word of God. If I can give you great advice today, whenever you ask, seek first ye the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added unto you. Seek His face. 
If you sit here today, even right now, and you say, why? I want to say to you, I want to implore you, don't call me first, call God first. Call Jesus first. And how do you do that? You go on your knees, you open up your Bible, and you start reading there. Because I will tell you one thing today, my dear friend, brother, sister, sir, madam, however you want to be heard or known today, I will tell you one thing today. If you cry out to God, He will answer you. He will speak to you. He will give you the answer. It may not be what you want to hear. But He will certainly answer you. So I'm reminded this morning of Isaiah 55. And in verse 8. Where the Lord says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Whose thoughts? God's thoughts is not your thoughts. Neither is your ways my ways, says the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And when I read this verse, when I read this verse, I am so satisfied and I'm so at peace because I'm so glad that my ways is not God's ways. I'm so glad about it. I'm so glad that when God looks at my life, it's laid out like a scroll in front of Him. Listen now, listen, from the beginning to the end. God can see it, you can't. You can only know what you've done in the past, but you cannot see what's going to happen in the next week, in the next month, and if the Lord tarries to come, and if you tarry to live that time in the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. That will make me 100 years old. So I pray the Lord will come before me. But He, He can see it all. He, for your life, listen to me, listen to me today. Your life. You that's sitting here looking at me now, individually, is laid out like a scroll before the Lord. He knows every single thing that you've done in secret to my brother's point. He knows everything that you've said. To this day, to this day, but he also know the next 20 years, what are you going to say, what are you going to do, and how are you going to react? Because he is God. He's a sovereign God. That is who God is. This is why his ways, like the heaven is above the earth, higher than our ways. And his thoughts is higher. So when we look at Stephen, when we look at Stephen, and we say, Lord, why? It's because He knows. Now, before you sit here today and you say, wait a minute, so did you say now that God, He called Stephen's death? Did God say, I'm going to kill Stephen because that's part of my plan? The answer is no. That's not because, again, we go back to the scripture. In James chapter 1 verse 12, He says, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. Stephen received the crown of life. Why? Because he was tried, he was stoned. He received the crown of life. You and I are on our journey towards the crown of life. Some of us will not be persecuted for our faith. Some of us will die a natural death. It can come at any moment. We are still on our way to receive the crown of life. Why? Because of the work that was done on the cross. That's why. But there will be maybe some in this room who will be persecuted in not the many far distant future for your belief in Christ. Because we carry with us the word of God, which is the gospel and the testimony of Jesus Christ in our bodies. He says they will receive the crown of life. Which the Lord has promised to them that love Him. Do you love the Lord? Do you really love the Lord? With everything that you've got? What is the promise for you? The crown of life. The crown of life. Let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth He any man. He, God didn't sit there in His high plan and say, now I'm going uh, to kill Stephen. No, no. He allowed Stephen to die. And then he used the circumstances 
to fulfill his plan. Have you heard me write that this morning? He used the circumstances because there is a word that came out to these people. He says, you will receive power to be my witnesses, martyrs. It's somebody who dies for a mission in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the world. But right now they are so cozy. They sing Kumbaya. It is so nice. We see the lovely. We see it this morning. I am so thrilled. Yes. To be amongst God's people, to see the lovely smiling faces. It's so nice in here, isn't it? We all love one another, I hope so. We all love one another in here. And it's so nice here. But but Jesus said, no, no, you need to go out. You need to go and stand there. Here, you know, at Bunnings, on the parking lot. You need to go and stand there and proclaim the name of Jesus. How many takers do I have? No, no, but we are so cozy here, Pastor. No, no, we need to go there to Bunnings and we need to reach out beyond Bunnings and go a little bit further down to, you know, just around the corner here. There's a big center there. There's Thank more. Yeah, there's more people there. And we need to go there and then we need to go beyond that and go to other cities. This is what they had to do. But it's so nice and warm here and it's so cozy. No, no, God's going to use this now, this death. For his bigger plan. So we see a new character arrive here on the scene and the witnesses lay down their clothes at the young man's feet whose name was Saul. You see they lay down. This man you can say was passively standing by. Do you know how many Christians are passively sitting in the churches, just passively sitting by and acknowledging and looking? No, no, God didn't call you to be passive. He called you to be active. He called you to grow in grace. He called you to grow in knowledge. He called you to grow in faith. Yes, is that you this morning? Or are you just passively going to church? God called you for a purpose. And here, here is this man Saul, he stands there. What do we know about this man? Well, he talks a lot about himself in Philippians. But by the time he writes Philippians down, he's a much more humble person. Much more humble. But he tells us who he was before. He says he was circumcised on the eighth day. He, he was of the stock of Israel, so he's an Israelite. He's a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin. Wow! You know, if I can come out of the tribe of Benjamin, that was so cool. That was good. And then a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And touching the law, what was this man? He was a Pharisee. What is a Pharisee? Well, he was one of those people who studied the word. He was a rabbi. He was a young rabbi. And, and he was a Pharisee. And concerning zeal, he was very zealous. He was persecuting the church, he says. Touching the righteousness which is in the law. And he calls himself blameless. This is this young man, where they laid down the clothes at Saul's feet. Now, if you read that before Acts chapter 9, I see a young, arrogant man. I see a young, zealous, arrogant rabbi. I see a man who's so full of himself. I know better than you. I can sit down. And I can expand the scriptures bigger than you. I'm so zealous, more than you. I study more than you. When you go at night and put your candle out and sleep, my candle still burns. And I'm studying the scriptures. And man, if you set your feet wrong against the scriptures, I'm going to persecute you. I'm going to come at you. This was this man Saul there. You know the word Saul refers back to the Old Testament. You remember? There was a king by the name of Saul. You want to know what that mean? That means expected one. There was so much expected from Saul. So much. That's why he was King Saul, the first king. And what happened to this expected? We see the same threats, the character threats coming over from that name into this young rabbi. And here you sit here today. 
I just wonder, I just wonder if there's a little bit of a threat of Saul coming through your life as a Christian, as a child of God. So full of yourself, so thinking the world is all turning around me. I'm the center point of this whole world. I meet a lot of people like that in the churches. I'm the center point and everything evolves around me. Um, there's so much expected from this young rabbi. And here he stands. And they bring these things and they put it down at his feet. And now we read on in Acts chapter 9, verse 5. Uh, and, and I want to show you this something here in, in Acts chapter 9. And we're going to read this next week or the week after. When he was on the road of Damascus, this proud young man meets Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. You know what is the one thing that will bring you down from your throne? From your throne, you know what is the one who will bring you down? It's Jesus Christ in the gospel. You know who's the one who will make you humble? It's Jesus Christ in the gospel. He meets him here. And I want you to realize this. He said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord Jesus said, He says, He says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Have you read that? Have you read that? When you read this, kick against the goats, it's kicking against convictions. The word that goats in Greek means it's little bricks. Little bricks that comes at you and, and one by one it pulls you, it, it convicts you. And, and we need to understand something here about Saul. We need to because we all go through this. One of the most frustrating places for any person is to sit in conviction and do nothing about it. You see, when he saw this young man being killed, innocent, that, that did something to Paul, to Saul. That did something to him. He never saw in his life anybody die like that. He was known. I mean, he came out of the Roman times. They saw a lot of people die in those days. They saw a lot of people die really, really uh, bad, you know, on the cross. They, Jesus wasn't the first man who went to the cross. There were before him people who died on the cross. And they walk past that and they see that every single time. There were people beheaded. They remember. They had those big coliseums and what did they do there? They, you know, men came up against animals that were torn. They saw horrible things. But never did this young rabbi see a man die like that. Now that is something. You know, maybe the other people, when they died, cried out, shouted, cursed, or whatever. But this young man, what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them. And he looked up into heaven and he says, I can see Jesus standing next to the Father. And by the way, let me just throw it in here. I've heard so many different preachings around Jesus standing next to the Father. Some people say Jesus was about to come down and, you know, and slay everybody around him. That's not true. Jesus was standing up next to the Father to welcome Stephen into heaven. Because that's how he's going to welcome us. If you go and you die today, the next moment you open up your eyes and you are born again, you will see and look into the eyes of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. So here he sees this, and that convicts this man. Look at verse 8, chapter 8, verse 1. Now Saul was consenting to his death. You see, they laid the, the, the clothes down. He was consenting to his death. And at that time, great persecuting, persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to the prison. You need to see this. You see, he was consenting to his death. And there's a great persecution that arose against the church that was in Jerusalem. And they scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You shall be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. God has got a plan. He's using now this young man's death. After that death, now the persecution breaks out. This Kumbaya group sitting here are now scattered out. 
They need to flee. Uh, in Matthew chapter 11, I think, Jesus said, if they persecute you in this city, flee to another city. And this is what they do. They now go and they scatter throughout the regions. But I want you to look at Saul, because it says, as for Saul. While this is happening, in the meantime, what is Saul doing? He's persecuting the church. And that's what I say. Right here, Saul is an agent of the devil. An agent. He's working for the devil. You say, what? You say, what? He's a rabbi. I mean, he knows the scriptures. But he's working for the devil. He's against the way. He's pious. He's so religious. Yet he's against God. And at this point in time, he's a son of disobedience. Remember when I said to you there's only two kinds of people in the world? Son of disobedience and? Son of obedience, which is the Christians. And we see here the steps of conviction in him. First it was at his feet. He consented to it and now he's angry. That's what conviction will do in your life. You know you sit here and I said it to you so many times. You look at me and I look at you. But the Holy Spirit is here. It's not about me. While I preach, He's opening up something in your life. And the Holy Spirit comes and He convicts you. And you are kicking against the goat. You say, not now, Lord. Maybe next week, not now, Lord. You keep on kicking against the goat. Until Jesus calls you and, and He looks at you and He says, why are you kicking against the goats? This is this man, look at his frustration. I say it again. One of the most frustrated places you can be is under conviction of the Holy Spirit and you do not listen. You do not listen. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2 we read about these the sons of disobedience. He says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. Who wrote Ephesians? Paul. Who was Paul? Saul. So the same man we're talking about here, this man who's now an agent for the devil, he's pious, he's against God, he's persecuting the church. Year after he's been born again, saved, he writes to the church in Ephesians. He says, you once walked according to the course of this world. He did. You and I did. What is the word did? What does that word mean, did? No longer. He says, you once walked there, according to the prince of the power of the air. Who's that? Satan. You see, that's why I say he's an agent of the devil. He said, you are walking according to the course of the world. The prince of the power of the air, the spirit, who now works in the sons of disobedience. There's two spirits in this world. Did you know that? The spirit who's in the sons of disobedience, who the father is Lucifer, devil, and then there is the Holy Spirit of God. What happens when you get saved at the cross? The spirit of God comes and lives inside of you. Here it is. He's that. John chapter 8 verse 24. Jesus talks about this father. He says, you are of your father the devil. Who did his boy speak to? To the Pharisees. He says, you are of the Father, your devil. You say, wow, that is how it works in church. Preacher, you want to build your church? You want to get people in the church? Stop preaching that immediately. No, no, no. We need to preach it as it is in the Word of God. Your faith will not grow if you hear the Word in spirit and truth. He says, and the desires of your Father, you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Here is Saul. He's, he's throwing murder against the church. He's going into houses. He's putting in fathers out who's worshipping God. Mommy's crying. Babies are crying. He says, I don't care about you. Take this man to the jail. I saw him pray to Jesus Christ. He comes in. He takes the children out. He rips them away from their parents. And then he throws the parents into jails. This is what he did. And this is coming to a town near you. Watch out. Still coming. I've been preaching this gospel now for over 25, I think it's 27 years, and I've been preaching, and I say, the day will come for the church in the Western world when you and I will be persecuted. And, 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 and listen to me, the church in the Western world is fast asleep. Fast asleep. We are pampered. We are pampered by things which is not of God. 
He hated the whole nations for more Absolutely. Than People are tweaked by the ears. People are, 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 are preached from the pulpits what they want to hear. And if you mention sin, and if you preach this, what I'm saying today, of the father of the devil, they run for the doors. And they, and they never return because the word is too hard, preacher. But let it be known that if you can't face it now, you will face it one day standing in front of Jesus Christ and your knees will bow. He says, they do not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks a lie. He speaks of his own resources. It's for he's a liar and the father of it. He says, you are of your father. Look at Colossians chapter 3 verse 5. If you think I'm serious about this, listen to what this same soul says. He says, therefore put death to your members which are in the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires and covetousness, which is idolatry. These are all the things that sons of disobedience do. Listen to it again. He says fornications. You want to know what the Greek word is for fornications? Pornia. That's where the word porn comes from. Let it be known that these people, the evil actors behind the scenes, are after your children. They are going to teach it now in children. They are telling children now in schools how you can hide from your parents how you watch porn because that grows your masculinity. It's disastrous and it's coming. But you don't want to hear it. You want to hear about the nice, beautiful love of Christ. Look at this uncleanness, passion, evil. These all operate in the sons of disobedience. It should not be in the sons of obedience. Look at verse 6. Because of these things, the wrath of God. The what? Who's saying this? Who's saying these words? It's God's word. He says, the wrath of God is coming upon who? You said it, the sons of disobedience, in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. Paul's talking because he speaks out of experience. He speaks out of experience. Now let's continue on this way now. In Acts chapter 8 verse 4, Then for those who were scattered, went everywhere. What did they do? Complaining? Moaning? No. They were preaching the words. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes which one heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. There was great joy there. I want you to see a few things here just quickly. First of all, they were preaching the Word of God. Amen? Amen. The Word is the Gospel. It's the good news. Amen? It is the only thing that can save your soul is the Gospel, the Word of God. And then he says, Philip went down. Now there's another character coming in. Philip, here is another young of those young men. Remember, he was one of the seven. He was one of the seven. Stephen was one of the seven. But I want to show you something here because he says, Philip now went down into the city of Samaria and he preached Christ to them. He preached Christ to them. This is so wonderful. He started off as a deacon. You remember? Yep. He started as a deacon. And now, now it talks about him as different now. Because it says here in, in Acts chapter 21, I know it's a little bit small for those at the back, but in Acts chapter 21 verse 8, it says on the next day, we who were in Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the Evangelist. Don't neglect the start of small things. I think I've misquoted that verse in Zechariah. <laughs> but I think you understand what I say. Don't neglect small starts. I mean, you come into the church and you want to stand and preach behind the pulpit. Start at the door. Yes? Start with the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I remember so vividly the day when the Lord called me into ministry. Man, I was so pumped. 
honestly, excuse me if I use these words, but I was bummed. I said, Lord, I want to preach. I want to go out and preach to the nations. The Lord called I was a young man. I was full of zeal. The Lord saved my soul. I started studying the word. I, I've, I've, had a, I've had an appetite and still do for the word of God. I, I just, page after page, like everything. And then the Lord called me to ministry. And I, I remember going to my pastor. I said, Pastor, I've got such a great news. I prayed and I'm sure the Lord called me into ministry. Thinking in my mind, can I preach Sunday evening? And he said, yeah, I've got a place to open in the Sunday school. <laughs> you see, that's why God's plans is higher than our plans. Praise God for Isaiah 55. That wasn't my plan. But you see, I had to walk that way and teach in Sunday school 10-year-olds the Word of God. Now I'm by far, by far, not putting myself in the feet of Philip. I fall so much short of Philip. This young man, brave in his day, he started doing the tables as a deacon. Now we see him, he's an evangelist going around preaching the Word of God. Do not despise small beginnings, brothers. And sisters, Matthew 25, 21, you know this passage very well. You say, you see, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Many things. Stay faithful in the Lord. You see, then Philip went down to Samaria, and he preached Christ to them. Let me tell you something about Samaria quickly. The Jews hated the Samarians with a passion. They couldn't handle them. Because when, when the nation was split into two, you remember two tribes. Ten tribes went north. And two tribes, Benjamin and, and Judea, stayed behind. And they became the southern, the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom went up north and lived around Samaria area. So the Assyrians came down. And the Assyrians captured them. And they took some of them away. But what the Assyrians did... When they capture a land, they put their own people in that land to live there. And they knew, because this was their strategy, their war strategy, they knew if we put people in there, they will mix with the locals and we will not get an uproar because these people are Assyrians. They are some of our people. So that's what they did. So there was these Jews living there, the northern tribes, the ten tribes. And by the way, they are not lost. They are not lost. I shouldn't go there. Anyway, so here is these tribes, okay? And the Assyrians came, take them away, brought some of their people in different bloodline, not Jewish blood. And what happens? They started mixing with them. They started intermarrying with them. But down here, down here in the southern Israel, what happened? The Babylonians came and they took their capture. But they stayed poor. They didn't put people in there to live there. So after so many years, what happened? The Lord, when the time was fulfilled, they came back to rebuild Jerusalem. But by now, the Samarians were okay. There were peace there. And when they started building Jerusalem, the Samarians came down. And they said, can we help you here? But the Jews saw them as half-breeds. They saw their bloodline wasn't pure anymore. They said, no, don't help us. And that, that hit a bigger rift in between them. So they went to, uh, in, in the place of uh, um, Samaria, to the mountain of Gerhazim. And they built exactly the same worship places as was built up in Jerusalem, or down in Jerusalem. And then they started mixing, listen to this now, the message. They went back and they said, no, 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 Abraham, when he offered Isaac, who knows that that happened at Golgotha? That's exactly the place where Christ died in Jerusalem at the cross. It's exactly the same place where Abraham brought Isaac to be offered. But they came back and they said, no, 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 that wasn't there. It was at Mount Gerizim and trying to infiltrate it. And this is to that day. So now when Jesus came in John chapter 4, you remember that passage? And there he's sitting at the well and here's this, this lady from, this woman from Samaria. His disciples said, what are you talking to there? You know, they are beneath us. They are, they are half-breed people. You see, this is what we do. We look upon other people and we go, ah, they're not a part of our class. And, and in fact, when you read in John chapter 4, Jesus said, he must go to Samaria. You, you, you mustn't go to Samaria. In those days, you walk around Samaria. 
You never go through Samaria. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, before God, there's only sons of obedience and sons of disobedience. So here we find him going back now to where Jesus was and he preached Christ to them. He preached Jesus Christ to them. And, and here is another one, and I'll preach that to you because the Lord is just opening it up so much to me. He didn't go back and preach to them the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Have you seen? What did he preach to them? Jesus Christ. He preaches that to them. So, in Acts chapter 8, verse 9, he says, But there was a certain man called Simon, who was previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished people of Samaria. Why? Because people love this kind of stuff, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him, because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, what did Philip preach? He preached Christ to them. As he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. This is an amazing thing. I mean, if you think about this, if you think about the worst sinner that you know right now, it could be a pop star, a singer, it could be somebody in drugs, a front band of a band somewhere. If that man come truly to repentance, it will be all over. Everybody will know. What did he come to? I won't name names here, but I think you know where I'm going. This is what happened then. Simon himself believed. A sorcerer. He was busy with the occult. Now he's turning away and coming. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. And was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done, but just stop there for a minute because I'm going to address some big problem in the church right now. There are in the people right now, in all of the, in, in the church, there are in the church right now people who are really born again and people who are not. There are people who are sitting with this false sense of security. And I want to suggest to you that this is what this man has gone through. Why? What draw this man? Miracles and signs. There's a big movement today about miracles and signs. They come to you and say, where is the miracles? You preach here now for eight years, where's the miracles? You preach in a funeral. Have you brought one of those bodies out and tried to pray them to life? I'm not making fun of the dead. Don't get me wrong here. But people are looking for miracles and signs. And I tell you, the biggest miracle that I've seen in my life is when I saw people being raised from the dead. I've seen it with my own eyes. Yes, this man, I've seen it. It's the biggest miracle of all. Not one. You know what I'm talking about? Not physical raised to life. I've seen people when they kneel down, dead, in trespasses and sin. As Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, you who were dead in your trespasses and sins, He made alive. I've seen people come to Christ, being born again. That's a miracle. But the people today are seeking signs and miracles. They want to see the feathers coming out of the roof of angel feathers. You know about that one, yeah? They want to see the cold dust falling through. Dust. They want to see the oil coming out of my hands and if I touch you with this oil, all of a sudden you are healed. They want to see this stuff. That's what he wanted to see. He was amazed by the miracles and the signs. He wasn't amazed what came out of Philip's mouth. What comes out of Philip's mouth is more powerful than miracles and signs. I'll say that again for the online listeners as well. And all for that one person who's going to send me a message and say, What? You don't believe in miracles? Yes, I do. But let me tell you this. The most powerful thing that you can do today in the name of Jesus Christ is to preach the gospel. The Bible says, He says His word is living and powerful. What? The Logos, the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword that cuts between bone and marrow, spirit and soul. Have you ever seen something that can cut between a spirit and a soul? Have you? I have. It's the Word of God. And it is the discerner of the heart. It's happened to me. 
walked into a church when I was a young man full of myself. Full of myself, sat there at the back of the church. The preacher there at the front was preaching. Man, he cut the word. Woo! I'm sitting and I'm looking at this girlfriend of mine who brought me into this place, which is my beautiful wife now. I looked at her and I thought, she gossiped about me. She told him everything about me because he was talking to me. It's as if everybody in that church, he says, whoop, you. He preached the word. He said, you are doing this and you are doing that. He didn't call me out for stuff I do, but he, he, he cut my heart. That's what the word did. But this man, he looks at miracles and signs. Miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the what? The word of God. The Logos. What happens? They sent Peter and John to them. Who when they had come down prayed to them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Hang on. Hang on there. This interesting thing coming. For, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them that only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Again, I want to say to you that this is not where we find our doctrine. We don't find our doctrine for the church right here. This is not the model because so many people go around and they say, there you've got it. You received the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands. Yes, it's true. It's true then. It's true then, remember. They did not yet have the Bible which you've got in your hands. They didn't have it. The Bible wasn't written. Saul was still Saul. He had to become Paul. Jesus had to take him for three years into the wilderness of Samaria, or in, in the wilderness, Arabia, and he had to still teach him the gospel. And when he comes out, it's not that way anymore. We will get to that. But you see, they preach the word, they receive the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands. I will hurry. Look at verse 18. And when Simon saw this now, this is why I say this man had a false conversion. When he saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. If you go into the dictionary now and you put in this word in the dictionary, it comes up with a description in, the, in your dictionary. It says it is when you sell a church office to a relative. It's also called nepotism. Nepotism. And this is what happened in the Roman Catholic Church. There's one Pope who came and became a Pope. He actually sold his Popeship to another Pope and he lived happily ever after. He sold it to the other one. Now we're not into Roman Catholicism, but this is where it came out. They used it more than others. Simony, that's what it's called. It came from this man Simon. He says, I want to buy the power that you've got. Let it be known. You can't buy the power of God. You cannot. So this man is trying to get this miracles. That's all he was into this for. He wanted to do the signs and the miracles. But let me say to you, shockingly today, we see a lot of instances of simony. There are ministers, I wouldn't even call them ministers. There are people who proclaim, and they, they've got five, six jets they flying around. And they say, I can't sit on the same airline as other people. All of the demons in the airplane, I can sit in the amongst them. I need to be pure when I get onto my little jet and fly over and go and preach. I need to be pure in mind and everything. That's called simony. There's people who make money out of this. There's people who make money out of the gospel of Christ. Jesus Christ to them is just, is just an object they are selling. They are just selling it. You walk into places, they say, this water is not normal water. It's the blood of Christ. Oh, but it doesn't look red. No, but it is the blood. This water is holy water. You buy this. Let me sell this and they become so rich. There's people who are profiting, profiting out of the name of Jesus Christ. Simony, you want to buy the power and you become so rich. Let's see what happens to that. But when Peter said to him, your money perishes with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Wait a minute. The Bible says this man believed. The Bible says he was baptized. 
He was baptized. Everybody stood around. Everybody was amazed. He was baptized. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of your wickedness and pray to God that perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by the bitterness and bound by iniquity. You see, he saw all of his followers moving uh, behind uh, Philip now. He's losing his people now. He's for him about people. He says, repent of that. Repent. Then Simon answered and said, pray to the Lord for me, that none of these things which you have spoken to me may come upon me. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages in Samaria. Now look at his prayer now. Look at his request now. Remember, this man comes out of the occultism. He knows. He knows when there is curses placed upon people. And this is what he's afraid of. He sees what Peter said here as a curse. When Peter said to him, he said, you neither have a portion in this matter. Your heart is not right in the sight of God. You need to repent for your wickedness. Pray to God, perhaps, that you may be forgiven. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and iniquity. He, in his mind, he said, Whoa, Peter is now cursing me. I've had that once. I brought you somebody the word of God and the man said to me, You are cursing me. Take back the curse. I said to him, No, no, no. It's written. It's in the Bible. If you want to take it out, go get scissors. Cut it out of your Bible. I'm only reading what's there. This is what Peter says to him. And he says now, he says, pray to the Lord for me. Why doesn't he pray? Why do they have to pray? Nobody else can carry your burden. Only Jesus can. Or you. You've got a choice this morning. You carry your burden or Jesus. You can't pray on me. Hey, hey, pastor, come here. Uh, pray for me for this burden. Yeah, I'll pray for you that the Lord save your soul. So that you can call out to Him. He says, Pray for the Lord to me that none of these things which I've spoken may come upon me. You see, you thought it was cursed. You thought it was cursed. So what have we heard today? I pray that the Lord has already spoken to your heart and mind. Why, Lord? Why is all these things happening? His ways is his thoughts are higher than ours. Be careful for the traps. Is Acts a powerful book? Are we learning much from it? Let's pray. Hallelujah. <coughs> Mark, if you can just get the Heavenly Father, we worship you, we praise you, we honor you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's sharper than a two-inch sword. We thank you, Father, that it's alive. Father, as I preach the word, I pray, Lord, that you cut our hearts uh, so that we may respond to it through the Holy Spirit. Father, help us that when we come to the word, we don't come with preset ideas to it, but we come with purity in heart and mind to receive what you want to give us. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you could be hearts. Jesus said that that's what you're going to do. I pray for everybody who listened today. Help us to become doers of the word and not hearers. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow, it's a powerful.